Well, God's good, isn't he? Amen. Well, let's pray and bring the word to you this morning. Father, we love you. We just thank you for your goodness. We thank you for everyone that's come. We thank you for those that are watching on Facebook. And uh, we just give you all the praise, God. You're good and you're with us. Lord, you're better than we know, but we want to grow in our understanding of you. Lord, we recognize the challenges of the day, but God, you're bigger than any of that. So we thank you for it, Lord. I just want to speak your word this morning, God. We thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, the month of September is going to be an emphasis on prayer. Um, One of the greatest weapons that we have as believers to see things change and to be a blessing and a benefit to people is the ability to go in the presence of God and make our requests known and just to fellowship with Him. Uh, and yet, you know, I also find that, that prayer often is a, is a time that where a lot of people are very confused about it. You know, Jesus said, ask and it'll be given, but, you know, a lot of times folks pray, then it doesn't happen, and they wonder, God, what's going on? You know, are you really there? Do you really hear me? Or maybe, Lord, I prayed for this, and maybe I prayed for a long time and things haven't changed. It could be in your health, a relationship, or a lot of things. Well, God's Word gives us a lot of instructions. So let's begin in Matthew chapter 6, because He wants us to have a wonderful and awesome prayer experience. That should be a blessing. You know, there should be nothing that prevents us from getting into the presence of God. That should be something that we, we long for. I mean, like going to your best restaurant or talking to your best friend or whatever. I mean, just something that's inside you that you, you, you want to go and, and you want to do this. And you know, that's the way prayer ought to be. But so often it has not been. It's been, like, it's been kind of a drudgery or it's been maybe a time where, you know, it's hard to find time and, and God, when I find time, then don't know what to say and so on. But... Um, that shouldn't be that. So Holy Spirit's going to help us. Look at, <clears throat> look at Matthew chapter 6 and verse 5. Jesus said, When you pray, you shall not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the corners of the streets, that they may be seen by men. As surely I say to you, they have their reward. But you, when you pray, go into your room, and when you've shut the door, Pray to your father who's in secret, in the secret place. Where is God? According to that verse, he's in the secret place. That's what it said, isn't it? Wow. And your father who sees in secret will reward you. My translation, others say openly. Some of them leave that off, but whatever. When you pray... What does the word say to do? It says, go into your room. And he's saying, don't be like the hypocrites, you know, who love to pray so that they can be seen of men. You know, Jesus said, when you pray, shut yourself in with God because God is in the secret place. And he sees in secret. There's something about that place and the time when we separate ourselves and we, we shut everything else off. And we either go into a room, and you know, we didn't necessarily, you don't have to necessarily go into a room. You could be outside and wherever. You could be in your car. But when you shut other things off, and, and you go just for that, just to be with Him, Amen. just to fellowship with Him, just to, just to get alone, to get separate from everything else. I know there's a lot of, you know, a lot of things that require and call for our attention. 
But God wants our attention. He wants us to go into that place. And when we do, what he promises is that something special will happen. Do you believe that? Do you believe when you go into that room that God is actually there with you? You know, sometimes we say, well, you know, you don't see him. You may not feel him. But, you know, the, one of the keys of faith is one of the, thing, the reasons why it really touches the heart of God is because it gets us out of this sense, rational reasoning realm. And it connects us with the father. God has already been gracious. He's already blessed us. The Bible says with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, everything that God has belongs to his kids. Everything that he has. And the way we connect to receive that is through our faith. Because the grace of God is already there. He, you know, what we shared communion, which all of that speaks of his love and grace for all of us. It just tells us, kids, I love, it says not just to us, it says to the entire world, I love you so much, I gave myself for you. I became one of you to redeem you out of the snare of the devil and sin because I love, that's the only reason why he did it. God so loved the world, not just the church, because the church was in the world before it became the church. He said, I love the world. I love every human being, those that are that are doing stupid things and that hate him and reject him. I mean, just like the ones we saw there, you know, like the one guy said, I didn't want God, you know, he didn't believe in God, but God reached out to him. He loves the world. He loves us. And when we pray, when we go into that place, really what's happening is we're entering to a place where we can connect with pure unadulterated, absolute, 100% love. The Bible says God is love. So what, what, what is prayer? It's, it's stepping into a place of intimacy and, and interaction with the God who is love, who absolutely 100% cares deeper than we, our intellect can, can even comprehend. But even there, Holy Spirit will teach us. Holy Spirit teaches. Okay. He says, when you pray, go into the secret place and your father who is in the secret place. It's not that God's not everywhere else because he is right. But there's a special connection in that place. And it says, your father who sees in secret will reward you openly. So verse seven says, when you pray, don't be, don't use vain repetitions as the heathen do, for they think they will be heard from their many words. Therefore, don't be like them, for your father knows the things you need of before you ask him. The father knows what you and I need before we ever ask him. That's good, isn't it? <laughs> he knows. In fact, he knows things we need that we're not aware that we need. Because he knows us. A lot of times we think, I need this, and God said, no, that's not really what you need. You need something else. <laughs> We may ask for something, and God wants to give us, he wants to give us the desires of our heart. And as I said, he's blessed us with every spiritual blessing. But a lot of times we get that confused. That's one of the, the advantages of spending a lot of time in there because in that place of intimacy, he can clarify that. He can, he can speak to us. Let me go on, though. It says, verse 8, don't be like them. Your father knows the things you need before you ask him. So in this manner, like this, therefore pray. Our Father in heaven, 
hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Now, I don't want to read all the rest of it. It's all, it's all great. But, but I want you to notice the first thing that he said, the very first thing that he said was, you address God as your father. God is our father. And that brings up a problem to a lot of people. Because father, whether it's a heavenly father or earthly father, it's the same word. So a lot of times we think of dad and, and pop or father, whatever you, you called your earthly father, and that can be a very positive experience. It can be a, a very positive thing because maybe dad was good and, you know, was a good father and he was, he was safe and he, he instructed and so on, but he may not have been. So a lot of times because, you know, earthly father, or it could have been mother, it could have been a lot of different other relationships, but someone in authority was not there for you, or he wasn't loving, wasn't kind, you know, maybe was overly disciplined, or, or maybe wasn't there. And therefore, now, you know, the Bible says, <clears throat> now, you know, you can call God your father. And yet father brings up a lot of images that are not positive to many people, not everybody, but to many people, right? I, I've been reading on a book uh, by, the, by Stormy O'Martin, who wrote a series of books on prayer. I wrote a lot of books and very, very good. But I was reading about her story, and when she was just a little girl, her, her, dad, her mother was abusive, and her father worked a lot. He wasn't there. So her mother would, would slap her and hit her and so on and lock her in a closet. And they lived in a very poor house, so she was afraid of spiders and snakes because in that area they had spiders and they had snakes. Well, you know, as she grew older... And she communicated with her father, said, Mom's got, you know, something's wrong because she was schizophrenic. She was hearing voices, and the voices would tell her that they were going to kill her, and so on. And he would just say, well, just, just don't, just ignore it, you know. Just don't worry about that. She's all right, you know, just ignore it. In other words, he, he never intervened. So her father was not a protector. Her fa God's a protector, but her dad wasn't. You know, he just basically, and then they moved multiple times and, and they weren't taken care of well. Well, you know, she got into all kinds of drugs and everything else, all kinds of sin, <clears throat> just reaching out for trying to something. You find something that would kind of satisfy her heart. But then she found Jesus. Now she's got Jesus and, and, and the Jesus said, you can say our father. And she, you know, her mind, father wasn't a protector. He wasn't there for me. He didn't take care of us very well, and mom was just, she was schizophrenic, you know. She, she was hearing voices and all that. <clears throat> so a lot of times because of that relationship wasn't, or it doesn't have to be dad, it could be mom, it could be anybody in authority, because those authorities, are, that relationship is very powerful. But do you know nowhere in the Word does the Bible say, or Jesus, the Word of God does not say that we are to understand Heavenly Father by an earthly father, mother, or authority. You know, because none, I don't care, the best dad in the world still has faults. No, how, we, how do we understand our heavenly father is through the person of Jesus. Amen. Right? Because he's the absolute, exact, the Bible says, representation of who the father is. That what Jesus did and how he interacted with people and how he loved them and forgave them and healed them and sometimes corrected them. He did exactly. He said, I can't do anything on my own. 
I, I, only, I only say what I hear my father say, and I only do what I see my father do. So all we got to do is say, well, you know, <clears throat> yeah, maybe dad, and I, as I've shared with you, my dad had a time where he really rejected me and said a lot of stuff I shouldn't. You know, <clears throat> we, we can, you, I'm not saying that those relationships are not powerful and that doesn't influence. I realize that. But isn't the, the relationship with Heavenly Father more powerful than any other relationship in the world? Amen. Are you sure? So that means no matter what, mom, dad, aunts and uncles or anybody else, not saying that if someone hurt you or harmed you, that that's not, didn't impact our lives. Sure it did. But I have to believe that the Heavenly Father, who has not only created us, but recreated us by the Spirit of God, that that relationship is even more powerful. So I don't have to be handicapped, no matter what mom or dad or aunts and uncles or grandparents, I don't have to be handicapped by any of that. I've got the creator of the universe that says I can come before him and I can call him my, my, my father. I, I can call him dad. I, and I'm one of his sons. I can call myself his kid and I can call him my father. Praise God. <clears throat> and when I go before him, th there's, no, there's no condemnation. There's, I'm going to say this is one of the reasons why a lot of folks, they don't spend more time with God because they feel condemned. They feel because all they think all that, you know, dad, heavenly dad's going to do because he knows, hey, he knows before a word I'm going to speak. He knows what I do and in private and he knows attitudes. He knows all this. So surely he's going to be just like maybe mom or dad or somebody else. He surely he's going to be criticizing. He's going to be looking at all those points and be focused on, on my shortcomings and all my failures and so on. Surely that's what, why would I want to spend a lot of time when all he's going to do really, he's just pretty upset with me and he kind of condemns me and, you know, picking me, you know, apart. Is that the way he is? No. <clears throat> Again, let's, let's look at the person of Jesus. Is that what Jesus did? When Peter said, remember, you know, Jesus told him where to, to catch a bunch of fish. And Peter was amazed. He was impressed right at the beginning of his call. And, and, and Peter said, Lord, depart from me. I'm a sinful man. What did Jesus say? He said, don't be afraid. He could have said, that's right, Peter, you are. And I know exactly everything you've done. To <laughs> I know how honorary you've been. He didn't say that. He said, don't be afraid, Peter, because I'm going to make you a fisher of men. I've got a vision for you. You know what? <clears throat> Sometimes we as parents do that. We, we're trained to do that. We're trained to focus with our kids on all their shortcomings because we want them to do right. Right? We want them to obey. And obedience is absolutely important. I'm not saying that it is. It's not. Sure, it's important. But, you know, if we, <clears throat> if we train our kids to understand who they are, they're our kids but they're also, Jesus himself said, the kingdom of God belongs to them. <clears throat> if, if we train them and teach them that, hey, God loves you. You're not perfect, but he's working with you. You know, he, he's, he's changing us and we have to discipline. I understand that. But, you know, if we teach them who they are and if we get a vision of who we are in the eyes of the Father, that we're absolutely loved, that he's for us 100%. Yes, sometimes we don't reflect his image, but that's what he's called us to do. Then what happens? We, we become, I mean, we are who he says we are right now. We're his children. We're new creations in Christ. We are the righteousness of God in Christ. We're forgiven. We have right standing with the Father. 
We're anointed with His Spirit. He values us. He loves us. Uh, He's for us, 100%. And the more of the truth gets on the inside of us, then our doing reflects more of our being. Paul said, if anyone's in Christ, he's a new creation. Old things are passed away and all things become new. We look at ourselves and say, well, now, wait a minute. You know, I, I know that's what it says, but am I, really, you know, am I really a new creation after all? Because sometimes I think, sometimes I do this or that, and they get you know, bad attitudes or whatever, whatever. Well, is Paul correct? Is the Word of God, are we new creations? So we don't have to walk that out, but we can walk that. That's who we are. You know, one of the goals of the Father is that we live out what He's made us to be. You know, when a child, you know, disobeys or does something dumb and doesn't reflect the, the character of their family, well, you know, families are upset. But they realize, hey, that's not who we are, right? You, you, you did something, but that's not what, whatever, you're, well, I don't think we have any Smiths in here. That's not what the Smith family is all about, right? Well, God's family is awesome, and sometimes we don't reflect that, but it doesn't change the fact that we're still part of his family. And if, you know, Bobby Smith messes up, it does, he's still a Smith, right? So we're striving to be, well, praise God. He's our dad. That's my whole point. That's point number one. He's our father, and he's safe. Do you really believe it? You know, sometimes we need to, if, if I go into a place, and I come before God, and I say, Lord, I... I just come before you in Jesus' name, Lord. I, I acknowledge I'm one of your kids, and, and you love me. And um, Father, I've got some things I want to talk about, but I just want to tell you I love you, and I praise you, and you're good, and you're awesome. And, and I just carry on like that, and I make my petitions known. You may not feel anything, and you may not see anything. You may not have, not have any dreams or visions or nothing's going on. But what, what he wants us to do is simply believe that the Father is in the secret place. The more we believe it, the more of those feelings and experiences we're going to have. You, you see what I'm saying? Does that make sense? You're kind of looking at me a little weird, okay. <laughs> That's what he's looking for. What, why don't we just... What would happen, honestly, if we just thought, God, I'm just going to believe that what you said is true. You said you, you're in the secret place and you see in the secret place and that you would reward us openly. Lord, I'm, I'm just going to believe right now as I'm praying that, that you're hearing everything I say. Not only are you hearing everything I say, Jesus, you said whatever I ask the Father in your name, you give it to me. Lord, I'm going to pray for this or that. And I'm going to believe, God, that you hear me, that, that Lord, my prayer is somehow it's gone into your heart because you, Lord, if that preacher and, and the Word and others that are saying that, God, you're such a good, good Father, if they're right, Lord, then, then I'm going to believe that you hear me and that you answer and that you're going to manifest yourself and you're going to do something awesome, praise God, because, God, you're an awesome God. You want to do it. He wants to do more than we know. <laughs> He desires it because he's got it. It's funny, you know, we went to a conference, uh, you know, Kenneth Hagin's or Kenneth Copeland's, excuse me, Brother Hagin's in heaven, Kenneth Copeland's uh, meeting here just a few weeks ago. And, you know, these guys talk about God blessing them and they're giving stuff away. And, and I believe that. I believe God does that. Okay. But I thought, I know they get a lot of criticism because they think, you know, some widow is 
giving into her in, into their ministries and giving their you know ten dollars or twenty dollars and um, you, you know it's it's not right and they've got planes they're flying around the country preaching the gospel in a plane and and here's this widow you know that's just got a little money and they're giving into these ministries and I thought you know <clears throat> that really reflects the uh, a very rational and human thinking. And that is this, that God's kind of like a person who has a bank account. He's got this, he's, he's got a big bank account, but you know, if, if you're using this bank account, we're going to give this ministry, God says, okay, I'm going to give this ministry X, this, this amount, then that means his bank account is, it starts here, what well, it's down to here. Now, the little widow, you know, she's going to be blessed. But then here's another ministry. They need a lot of money. So, I mean, the, the conference budget was a million bucks or something, you know. As if God is somehow his, his wad of bills is dropping. As if, you know, you know if, if too many people get blessed. And so if there's too much, if too many ministries get planes or whatever, then... Well, boy, God's just out. I mean, it's dry. That's right. <laughs> the bank account's empty. Sorry, somebody comes along. They need something for their self or for, you know, for uh, a ministry. Well, sorry, God's out. Is God bigger than that? That's right. Is, isn't God bigger than that? You can't break God. So if someone gives, I don't care, let's say they give some big ministry a million, ten million dollars. You say, well, you know, that, that ten million could have been used for helping the widows and the orphans and the homeless and so on. Listen, God's not broke if they give ten or twenty or a thousand million. That would be a trillion. <laughs> He's not broke. I mean, we've got to start thinking, we got to start thinking heavenly, at a heavenly level. The Bible says, as I shared, he has already blessed us with every spiritual blessing. Look at 1 Corinthians chapter 2. This is good. 1 Corinthians chapter 2 and verse 9. <clears throat> Paul the Apostle said this. You've heard it. It's a great passage. He says, but as it is written, I has not seen, nor ear heard, nor have entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for those who love him. Eye has not seen, ear hasn't heard, hadn't entered into our hearts the things, whatever things he's talking about, that God has prepared for those that love him. And a lot of times we say, well, that means heaven, and heaven's going to be awesome. I listened to a fella, I don't recall his name, I tried to look it up. There's been so many people that have had near-death experiences, NDEs. I mean, it's, it's like hundreds and I, I, it came up on YouTube, and I, I saw it and listened to this guy, and it was so awesome. He, you could tell he was a businessman and done very well. Didn't even believe in God initially. Bad attitude, the whole thing. But uh, he had a death experience, and I think he got saved actually before that. But uh, he's describing heaven. And, and it's just, he, he, you could tell he wasn't a guy that cried a lot, but he couldn't keep it back, he said. It was amazing. He said, I looked, and I've heard this so many times. He said, I looked into, looked into Jesus' eyes, and it just broke him. And then the Lord said, your, 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 your ministry and your call has not been completed yet. You've got to go back. And he said, I just, it broke my heart. I said, no. He said, I didn't think about earth at all. 
I don't want to go back. I want to stay here. Heaven is going to be awesome. And, and I, I, you know, I think, I think words really fail us to, to describe it. And I think a lot of times, verse 9, that's what we think. And it is true. We've not yet seen. We've not yet heard. It's not yet entered into our heart what God has prepared for us in heaven. But that's not what it says here. The next verse, it says, but God has revealed them to us. Has he revealed them to us or has he not? He has revealed them to us through his spirit for the spirit searches all things. Yes, the deep things of God. The spirit searches all things, the deep things of God. Go back to verse six. However, we speak wisdom among those who are mature, but not the wisdom of this age, nor the rulers of this age who are coming to nothing. We speak the wisdom of God in a mystery, the hidden, hidden wisdom, which God ordained before the ages for our glory. The hidden wisdom. God has some hidden things. Where are we going to experience the things that God has revealed to us by the Spirit? I mean... There's an element of mystery here. He says they're hidden. Well, what did Jesus say in Matthew 6? When you go in the secret place, that's a private, hidden place. God is in the secret, private, hidden place. Where are we going to experience the things that eye has not seen and ear heard nor have entered in the heart of man? It's going to be in that place when we separate us. I'm not saying it could be other places as well, but it's going to be specifically we're going to experience some things in, in that hidden place of God. We're, we're going to experience some of the hidden things when we go into our room and shut the door. And he's going to show us some things that we've not yet heard, that we've not yet seen. We can experience him. Do you see what I'm saying? Did, 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 that, did that kind of connect with you? He's got things. There's some things we've not yet seen. There's some things we haven't heard yet that he haven't even come into our hearts. What kind of things are you talking about? Well, if the Spirit is, it says, the Spirit, but God has revealed them to us through His Spirit. What is the Spirit revealing to us? Remember what Jesus said? Jesus said, all things that the Father has are mine. The Holy Spirit is going to take from mine and show it to you. What kind of things is He going to show us? He's just going to show us, the, the Holy Spirit is going to show us the things of Jesus or the things of the Father. He's going to show us some things about his love. He's going to show us some things about his power and his grace. He's going to show us some things maybe about ourselves and about his will and plan for our lives. You know, think about it. God has a wealth of riches, doesn't he? He's got, he's got a, I mean, not just material riches, but spiritual riches as well. And he's in heaven. He's got all this goodness. All this power and glory. And there's healing there. There's healing for anything and everything. There's, there's his power and, and, and miracles. It's all there in heaven. And, and what's it doing in heaven? Does God just want to keep it there? Or does he want to bring some of the heaven, heavenly things down to here? Sure he does. That's exactly right. That's what Jesus prayed. Now, I read that early. We're to pray, God, your kingdom come, your will be done. What is his will? His will is good on earth as it is in heaven. 
His will clearly was for people to be healed in their body. His, his will was clearly that people be delivered from any kind of demonic oppression. That was clearly his will. So it's in heaven and all these things. So why don't we get it? Why, how do we get it from there to here? Well, we pray. We ask him and we accept it. We believe that he's going to give it to us. You know, what, what he's looking for is just somebody that will, will take and receive what he's got. Because if we don't take it, if we don't accept it, if we don't receive it, we're not going to get it. Right? I, I heard Dan Moeller say this. I, I thought, this, this is awesome. He said, I've been listening to him a lot lately. He's a good preacher if you've never heard of Dan Moeller. He's, he's very good. Just different. But he, M-O-H-L-E-R. He, he'll bless you. But he said this. He said, I was praying once and I was fellowshipping with God. And, and he, said, yeah, he said, Lord, I just love you so much. And, and it sounds to me like he's a very positive witness and, and so on. And he said, the Lord asked me. Uh, and I know we can't confirm whether God's talking to him or, or not. But I know God speaks to people, right? So he said, he said, do you know why? You live like you do. He said, the Lord spoke to me. He said, do you know why God's telling him why you live like you do? Why you, you know, you, you just love people even if they don't love you and, and, and you're happy and you're free and, and, and you walk in the spirit. He said, yeah. Dan said, sure I do. Because God, you're so awesome because you're good and because you're gracious and so on. And the Lord said, well, that's true, but that's not really why. He says, because you're someone he said, I, I, have, I have this grace and this power, but I need somewhere for it to land. That's the expression he used. And he said, you're one that will let it land on you. I wonder how he does that. How, how does he do that? I'll tell you how. He goes before God and he said, Lord, I just believe you. I believe you. You are rich. And if there's anything that I need, you've got it. And you want to give it to me. And I'll take it. How do you take it? You simply take it by faith. You simply believe it. I'll accept it. Some folks, we have a hard time, and here's why. Here's why. It's because we, we still, we think God will give it to me, and he'll do that that I ask when or if I'm good enough. If I've done a good enough good things, if I've been you know, doing right, maybe if I pray even long enough, then maybe God will do it. <clears throat> well, when are we going to get good enough? I'm not saying that we're not supposed to be good and obedient. Of course we are. But what we, we partook of this morning, what that tells us is that God has made us acceptable. He's made us good enough. It doesn't make us perfect, but he has brought us, he's made us his kids, his children with his spirit in us. He's given us right standing with himself so that we can, because of the body and the blood of Christ, you know, Jesus said it's finished. When, where he finished, that's where we're supposed to start. Not with our goodness, not with our efforts, not with our anything. Not because, man, you know, I, I've, I've really done this and I've, I've been a good person. It's, we want everybody to be good people. But it's good. Our goodness is not good enough. It's what he did. That's that's the whole focus of it, is it not? <clears throat> and Dan believes it. And the Lord was communicating because you believe that you believe you are somebody I can land these blessings upon. 
I do it. God, make me like that. I want to be like that. Wait, let, me, let me rephrase it. I am like that. Because I'm a child of faith. I'm born again. And when you, when you get born again, you've got some faith inside you. You can believe. You can believe for anything. Oh, I don't know about that. I mean, you know, and I know our faith grows. I understand that. But if, if we've got a measure of faith, Romans 12, 3 says that. Well, that measure of faith is faith in the Father who has everything. Things that, that eyes haven't seen and ears haven't heard that haven't even come into our heart yet. And yet God is saying, son, daughter, I want to reveal myself to you. I want to show you my goodness. I want to, I want to know the depth of God's love. I want to tell you. Because perfect love drives out fear. Fear and, and love can't stay in the same way. So, and I've had my anxieties and fears. Sure I have. I, I, so I, I need to know some of the depth. I need to know how wide. I know God's love is wide, but it's wider than I think, and deep, and high, and awesome it is. I want to know it, I, and we can know it. <clears throat> and one of the main places, this is my purpose of sharing this, is one of the main places that we experience that is when we shut everything out. And we just go before the Father. And I know you can do that anytime. Jesus did that when there was people around him. You know, he just would say, Father, you know... I feel like Luke 10, he's casting out a devil. Or no, he was telling the, the disciples that they have authority. They had cast out spirits. And he stopped. And I think he just lifted his eyes to heaven. I thank you, Father. You've hidden these things from the wise and prudent and revealed them today to babes. Even so, Father, so it seemed good in your sight. In other words, what I'm saying that for is that he just, he didn't care with people around him. You know, we can shut ourselves in any time. Listen to Andrew Murray was a author. He was born in the early 1800s. He wrote a lot of books on prayer and a lot of things. Uh, he, he either published, wrote uh, books or tracts like over 200. But I have a book on like 199 um, words of wisdom about prayer or something along that line. But listen to what he said. He said, let this be my chief object in prayer. What is the, what's the main thing? Well, I'm going before the Lord in prayer. I want an answer. Well, that's true. And that's good. And he wants to give us an answer. But listen to this. Let this be my chief object, my main purpose in prayer, to realize the presence of my Heavenly Father. Let my goal be, let my goal be alone with God. What's my goal? I just want to get alone with you, Father. I just want to love you. And then I'll pray. I'll pray for people and I'll pray for countries and so on. But I just want you to know, Father, that you're awesome and you're good. And I'm loved by you. When's the last time you said, Father, I just think you love me? Do you really believe it? Sometimes, some folks, a lot of times they have a hard time with that. God loves the world, but I mean, does he really love me? You know, one of the reasons why the, the Jewish people wanted to stone Jesus John chapter 5. I'll close with this one. He healed a guy on the Sabbath day, and that really irritated him. But then he said this, verse 17. He said, my father works, and I work. My father has been working until now, and I've been working. Therefore, verse 18, the Jews sought all the more to kill him, because he not only broke the Sabbath, but he also said that God was his father, making himself equal with God. Wow. Hmm. 
Make himself equal to God. You know, there was a German theologian named Jeremiah, Joy Kim or something like that, Jeremiah. And he was a very respected theologian, and he had studied uh, Old Testament literature as well as the writing of the rabbis. You know what he said? He said the Jewish people did not until the 10th century address God as their father. Not till the 10th century. Jesus did. And when he did, they said, we're going to kill you because you're calling God your father. Yes, God is father, but we can't say that he's my father. You know, you and I can. Praise God. And it was sad because there are scriptures that talk about God as David, as well as Isaiah, spoke, speaks of God as their father. So they had, it was there in the word, but they missed it. In fact, there's only a few, very few references in the Old Testament, a lot more in the, in the New. We can, I can say to my father, Lord, you're my dad. Father, you're mine, and I'm yours. I'm one of your sons. And God loves the world, and, and I know we live in a very self-centered culture. I understand that. But still, even though we are in a very self-centered society, sometimes still we have difficulty grasping and accepting that God, the creator of the universe, takes notice of me. Oh, he even takes notice of other people. Yeah. You know, I've told you some stories about... At work one time when I was the chaplain, you know, uh, they would ask me to pray for a meal or something. And, and one time I said to one of the other people, I said, why don't you pray? <laughs> no, no, God hears your prayers, but I don't know. Oh, come on. What's up with that? Well, is he just my father? Is he not your father? Is he not the, her father? Our yeah, father. he's our father. Praise <laughs> God. Well, he loves you. You know, there's a lot of great books on prayer and and we learn from others, this is the greatest book. But there's a lot of, you know, God's given a lot of revelation about prayer. We need to read them. and We need to take advantage of that. And that's a part of it. But the other part is really the place I think you learn more about prayer is doing it. It is going into the room. Leave off all the religious stuff. I know sometimes we, you know, we get hung up on that. I, uh, do, I, do I stand? Do I kneel? And that's something else Dan Mulder said. I, I thought this was kind of good. I'll leave you with this one. He said he was teaching along the line of something, I don't know, just about talking about intimacy with God, I think. And he said three women caught him after service and said, can we have a word with you? And they said, sure. So he said, now just tell us. You have such a wonderful relationship with God, but, but tell us, how, how do you really do it? Do, do, you, do you start with praise maybe for a few minutes and then, the word and prayer. Tell us how do you kneel? Do you? He said, no, that's not it. I just am with God. You know, a lot of times those, those religious things still hang in our minds and think, well, am I, do I have to kneel or do I'm supposed to get on my face? I have a friend who every time he prays, even in public, he gets on, at least he's preaching somewhere, he gets on his face before the Lord. Well, he don't have to do that, but that's what he does. He said, no, it's not that. It's just going in to this creator that's real that's living God and communing with him, interacting. He'll talk to you. You talk to him. We read the word, not just to get our heads full. Man, we've got, we, we, we got a lot of theology and great teachings, and that's good. But we read the word. Number one is to know the Father and to do what he wants us to do. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. Well, he loves you. Don't let anything keep you from that time Spending with the Father. 
I'm if you don't, if you say, I'm just not sure what to say, well, get in there and tell him, Lord, I don't know what to say. <laughs> and just go from there. I promise you, according to the word, Jesus said, he'll meet you there. He's in the secret place. And if you do, he will reward you. And that's important too. Hebrews eleven six says, without faith, it's impossible to please him. He that comes to God must believe that he is or he exists. And, and, not just that he exists, we all believe that, and that he rewards those who diligently seek him. If you're diligently seeking God, you can guarantee this, he's going to reward you. Hallelujah. Well, Lord, we love you. We thank you, Lord, that you are a good, good father. Praise God. Worship team, our two, <laughs> they're going to bless us. We're going to sing one of those songs again. Father, thank you that, God, you're better than we know, but we're growing in that. We want to. We want to hear, Father. We want to hear your voice. We want to spend more time with you because you are a good, good Father. You're a, we want to be people who are re receivers. We want to be those who will, will let your grace and blessing and encouragement and power and healing and everything land on. <laughs> we, we want to be that, like Brother Dan said. I want to be, Father. And, Lord, I know we know our shortcomings, God, and you know them too, but that doesn't stop you, Lord, from from loving us and wanting to, to fellowship with us. Father, I just pray, God, each one of us. I know we've got a lot of serious things to pray about. We'll, we'll talk about those things. But, Lord, I think this is where we were supposed to, to start. And that is just exhorting each other to, to go into that room and to address you as our Father. You're a good Father. You're a good, good God. Lord, we love you. Why don't we all stand? Isaiah 64, 8 says this. But now, this is Isaiah speaking, who is a prophet. But he said, now, O Lord, you are our father. So this is one of the places where you, in the Old Testament where God is addressed by someone as father. But it says, we are the clay and you are our potter. And all we are the work of your hand.